And welcome into No Layups. I'm a guy who loves to watch movie trailers, and that guy over there, I don't know how it looks on your screen, does not like to watch movie trailers. Hello, Raheel. Hey, David. What's up? How are you? We're good. Hey, so we're a real hard-hitting political show um, that does movie talk and sports talk at the same time. Can I – look, we we, we, we got to pay off our headline. we got to talk about um, trailers because yesterday a bunch of trailers came out in our world of superheroes that I, you didn't watch any of them. I watched them all and I slowed them down and I wrote notes. We have a whole different methodology to it, but can I go on a quick little rant of political stances on stuff? Please go for it. So in Houston, the head coach is Mike D'Antoni. He's made a thing about all these press conferences from Orlando wearing a t-shirt that says something about make sure you vote, make sure it's vote safely. If that means, you know, electronically, whatever it may be. Okay. And I posted, I literally posted the shirt and said what the shirt said. And I had everybody coming after me, not everybody, but enough people to make me want to address this on the show, saying that I and ABC 13 had a liberal bias when it comes to, I don't, I'm a sports reporter, okay? You do not know my political stance by me putting, and I had people that I'm friends with, like, you're, 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 you're steeping too low, David, you're above this. What are you talking about, weirdo? No. I. If he wore, if he wore a shirt that said Fidel Castro sucks, which by the way he does, I'd put it too, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah. we report information and don't look. I'm in sports and I talk entertainment and you know and, and I talk knucklehead stuff as you do too, Raheel. Uh, just because we talk something does not mean, by the way, smash the like button right now. Does not mean a political stance. Like, have you ever posted something like, oh, this guy, he's a total right wing. Look, the best way to put this, David, is of all these people that were critical of Mike D'Antoni's shirt and what he had on it, you know, like voting, you know, regarding voting. Yeah. If it was a shirt that had something they believed in, right? Like, oh, get rid of the liberals. Let's say that's what the shirt said. Right. They'd be saying, awesome job, Nuno. This is awesome. Basically, people hate when their side isn't presented and something they don't like is so that that's when they get upset at you right because if d'antoni's shirt was something different and it it was a shirt that was um based on their beliefs or something that they agree with you wouldn't have gotten any comments no look it doesn't look i don't care like yeah yeah i get it you don't care but i think just for me it's like it's it's a shirt right it's Mm -hmm. it's a shirt he wore it i'm wearing a star wars shirt does that mean I'm on Luke's side, or could I potentially be on Darth Vader's side? I guess if I'm wearing the Luke shirt, I'm. But if I posted about it, though, it would change the game. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, to me, it's just like guys. Uh, people are going to complain about everything, and that's just the way of the world now, and especially social media. So, just ignore the comments. No, I, can't. Um, I, can't. I know you can't. I can't. I can't. There's. Like Brenda says I'm stupid. Actually, yeah. I graduated from the top university in Texas. Thank you, Texas A&M. You went to All Texas. Right. Texas A&M. I thought, uh, I, did, so I no, thought you went to Texas A&M. I did. Yeah, the top university in Texas. But you just said something that's not factual. Yeah, the top university in Texas. No. Yeah, A&M. <laughs> All right? So there. And uh, Cindy would rather hear about the storm. And, you know, we're both meteoro- meteorologists mm-hmm. uh, on the side. Travis Herzog has got you locked in with the storm situation, right? Yeah. I can give you my perception. Right now it's very sunny. Very sunny yeah. in Houston. Apparently Laura's coming our way. Yep. And Cindy, make sure you download the ABC 13 app or go to abc13.com for round the clock coverage. There's a lot of updates. So you can definitely get that as well as watching No Layup. So you can do both uh, in this great technology world we live in. Look, 
Like we do this show and we make it interactive. And I actually enjoy the banter. Andrew, no, mm-hmm. you're wrong. Oh, um, look at this. Hold on. Let me show this. No. <laughs> he looks like a pretty smart guy, so I'm not. He gonna does. Mess he, with does. It, but, he does. Um, but look, we're we're gonna go back and forth with you. That's what we do, right? Yes. Uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, and if you want to watch the show later, so I'm I'm gonna respond. So those of you like, I'm gonna say no. I'm going to respond. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. To the detriment of the show, Raheel, I will stop the dialogue. Okay, I want to. Speaking of dialogue, you and I, we when we disagree, we're not. We don't like go hard at each other in terms of our disagreements. We understand. Okay, David, this is what you believe in. This is what I believe in. We right. never get really upset at each other. I think this next topic, I'm gonna make my case. You're gonna make your case for it. It's the question in the headline of this episode. Do you watch movie trailers? And I have stopped watching movie trailers. I, especially movies I'm already excited about. I don't need to see a trailer. I'm going to let you present your side first, and then I'll convert you. Raheel, I'm, I'm going to need a couple of minutes. So uh, what time are we talking new Batman? We'll talk to El Mayimbe, Umberto Gonzalez at 1.15 Central. So that's coming up here in a second. Um, Sierra, you're right. It is fun. We're, we're a good group of guys. All right? Exactly. Uh, so, yes, I am the dad who, in his movie night at home with the kids, goes through every trailer possible, even of movies I've seen. And then it's like an hour and a half later, and we're like, Dad, there's no time to watch the movie, bedtime. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me explain to you why it's important to watch a movie trailer. And no. it, it can ruin it for you. Sometimes I don't know the storyline well enough to go into a movie. I don't want to be in the movie not understanding the stuff. Now, the only time watching a movie trailer is the wrong thing to do is when they tell you the entire movie like they did in Batman versus Superman. They tell you like the third act in the trailer, they ruin it for you. In that instance, terrible. But that's their fault, not my fault. Uh, I love to watch it because there are storylines that I want to know about when I go into the movie, Raheel. So I can't tell you much about this new Batman trailer, which was the freaking bomb. Okay, it was amazing. Um, But there are some storylines that I need to beef up on before that movie comes out in October of 2021 that I want to know just a little bit about because it's taken from certain comic book genres. I didn't read comic books growing up. I collected them. Well, I had a few. But I always watched the cartoons, and I played with Mm -hmm. the toys, and I'm I'm familiar with all the storylines. But there are some that I need to brush up on. uh, And that's why, at least when it comes to superhero movies, I like it. Now, if the movie studio is a bunch of idiots and they put the end of the movie in the trailer, or if I watch a trailer and feel like, I just saw the movie. I just saw the freaking movie. Mm-hmm. Now, an example of one that I can understand avoiding, Tenet, right? Tenet's one because it's a Christopher Nolan movie. You want to go in there and not really understand. I mean, you want to just, you want it to be completely free. And I agree with you there. Uh, but also, that movie looks so confusing. But I think I might need a little bit of education before I go to it. Okay, so this the whole thing for me started because of Christopher Nolan. And it was The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, no, sorry, The Dark Knight, not The Dark Knight Rises. So when I watched Batman Begins, I was like, okay, this is awesome. This is a great movie. I'm interested. And then Dark Knight came out when you and I were working at 1560 The Game. Uh, We've talked about it on this podcast before. I was so busy with work, like I didn't watch a single trailer. I had no idea what was in the movie at all. I didn't know Two Face was part, or uh, Two Face was part of it. I had no idea. I literally went in cold to that movie with no trailer, no background on it, and it was the greatest cinematic experience I've ever had. Like the twist, the turns. It's already a great movie, but when you have zero idea about like who's in it, which characters from the comic book, it made it that much better, right? 
And since then, I've applied it to all Christopher Nolan movies and all movies that I'm interested in. So, for example, The Avengers, when Infinity Wars and um, why wh- well, am I blanking on the the second part? Endgame. Endgame. When if Endgame, you would have watched the trailer, you would have known that. Yeah, when those came out, I didn't watch a single trailer. Black Panther, I didn't watch a single trailer. Um, and then you fast forward to Christopher Nolan movies, Interstellar, didn't watch a single trailer, didn't watch anything for Dark Knight Rises, all those movies, right? It makes the experience so much better because of the storytelling. You have no idea what's going to be in there. Sure. And I agree with you that you want to brush up on certain things but you can do that afterwards. You can read up on it afterwards. And then you watch the trailers after the movie and you go, oh, oh, oh you know what? Oh, they didn't put this part in or this part was, oh, Hulk actually didn't. He, you know what? Hulk didn't come out until the, like he had the Hulk uh, buster on, right? He had that costume, but they never used it in the movie. In the trailer, they showed it. So like, it's little things like that that you pick up and go, oh, okay. Interstellar. I had no idea. Any, other than Matthew McConaughey was in the movie, I had nothing else. I was like, I don't know what it is. I'm just going to go watch it. It's Christopher Nolan. Dunkirk, same thing. Uh, Logan. I, I had no idea. Other than we knew Wolverine's going to be in it. Shout out to Hugh Jackman, one of the greatest comic book uh, portrayals ever. I had no other idea other than uh, the actor and that it was rated R. That's it. Well, look, I, I disagree because I got a year and, what, three months before Batman comes out, and I want to have some stuff to talk about in a year and three months. And I think this trailer, I highly recommend if you're a Batman fan to watch it because it doesn't tell you anything other than set the tone. They did this trailer right. Okay. Uh, the And by the way, we will talk Rockets here in a second, guys, before Elma Yimmy joins us. But um, the, the the problem with certain movies is they give you too much. The, the, the Rise of Skywalker told you the whole movie. Yeah, and and then like I wish it would have been rumors about the emperor. Not show me the emperor and the and the tra- like. Th- See, th- th- that's it. But then you got to trust the movie company, right? And I trust Disney to do the right thing. Yeah. I think WB is probably going to do the right thing. Let's let's talk Rockets before El Mayimbe okay. joins us. Uh, what a disaster! Tough last loss, night. man. It's something we talked about. Oklahoma City, one of the most clutch teams, the most clutch team, not one of the most clutch, the most clutch team in the NBA this season. And if they were in striking distance, they were gonna they're gonna make it interesting. Now, was there a costly turnover that went their way? Yes, it did. But again, you had to play the defense, right? You had to put yourself in that position. Did Steven Adams touch the ball? He didn't touch the ball, guys. He didn't touch it. Even uh, Craig Ackerman, the the voice of the Houston Rockets. No, there's an angle that's uh, overhead. I know the 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 back angle. You see the ball rotate, but there yeah. is an angle that shows it over the play, and his hands are like. Five feet away, it looks like. So he didn't touch it, guys. Craig Ackerman, the voice of the Houston Rockets, said it as much. So if somebody with the Rockets is saying it, I'm going to take his opinion. It was still a disaster. You still had to stop them afterwards, and you didn't stop them. Your defense gave that game up. Um, after uh, after PJ hits that big three, you go up five. And then James Harden, I know he had five fouls. But you got to put a better effort in and not let Chris Paul just get to the hoop and get two easy buckets. And then the last play, uh, the three that uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander hit, you know, James just lets him go, and House had a horrible collapse where he, he should not have left a shooter, and he did, so that's part of it as well, and that changes the whole game. First off, you're going to upset Astro, or excuse me, Rockets Twitter. Houston Twitter fans and, oh. and or social media fans, we really get our feelings hurt easily. Like, it we is... really do. I mean, and like, and like sometimes we're in the mix, right? Even as orders who you know have a political stance on the show um but like goodness like look 
there are some mistakes that referees make. There are um, a oh, Batman is for children. I stopped watching fairy tales when I was ten. Okay, JD, thanks. JD, um, but you're on Facebook you never, chatting. Yeah. You're on Facebook chatting. Okay. <laughs> See now you ticked off, David. <laughs> I mean, JD, you're on Facebook chatting, man. I stopped doing that when I was ten. Sorry, we're here. No, Bye. that's a listener. What are you doing? JD, keep listening. Keep, keep no, I didn't commenting. tell him to stop listening. No, I wanted to engage. I'm just giving him a shout out. All right, where were we? On the Rockets. Sorry. On the Rockets. And by the way, not only the Rockets. I saw your your note on the on the rundown about San Diego fun team to watch. Dude. I don't care. I want the Astros to win every game by 20. Okay? That's what I want. I'm glad the Padres have a good team. It doesn't matter. The Astros have the most hurt team in the history of the world, and everybody hates them. And who was the dude from Barstool who says, we need the Astros to be good. We need somebody to hate. Um, and good. Hate the Astros. Hate the Rockets. Just keep winning. Yeah, I, winning solves everything. I want more winning. But, man, the Padres are so much fun to watch. Like, the best thing that could have happened to uh, Tatis was the Rangers getting upset about the Grand Slam and making a big deal about it because it became a national story, obviously. It became... Uh, a big topic on every single sports show. And it just, he was already having a great season. Like I'm not taking anything away from how great of a season. I think he had nine home runs going into that game. So he's already, you know, like becoming a star. But how many of us knew about what he was doing other than diehard baseball fans? Nobody, nobody knew. And now he has been put into a position where everyone knows about it because of what happened with the Rangers. And it is awesome. Like that team just hits grand slams for whatever reason. It's so fascinating, but I love, I, I love like what they bring to the sport. It's just fun now. So shout out to the Padres. Um, and uh, by the way, and Hardwood daddy had a good point. People who do hate the Rockets because of the way they play. Sometimes I don't love the way they play. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's the thing of beauty. It's the weird thing about the Rockets because when it works, it's beautiful, but you always expect it to not work at certain points because of the way they play. Like, I'm sorry, there was towards the end of, I believe, fourth quarter, James kind of called everybody off. You know, he, he I think he pushed PJ to the right, all the, the rest of the guys on the on the left, and he did his little play. Like, I know he's the, the, one of the most efficient scorers in the half-court set, but I just don't think it's smart basketball, personally, at the end of games. That's just me. It's just, I disagree with it. But, hey, the analytics say it works, okay? So I get it. I just don't like the way it works in, in, in crunch time. Um and, and Raheel, we're gonna we're gonna pause for a second. I think we got Umberto there, but now I see nothing but mountain. There he is. So let's let's bring on Umberto Gonzalez on the show, our good friend who is the scoop master at the beach. Where are you, Umberto? Hi, how you doing, guys? I'm at a staircase beach in Malibu, recovering from yesterday's epic DC fandom. We we got bombarded, so it's like I needed a day off. How you guys doing? Good, man. Hey, I got to ask you this, and I, and I can tell it's probably windy out there, so you're putting your head up to the thing. Raheel doesn't like to watch trailers because he doesn't want it to be spoiled when it comes to a movie. You have to watch it because it's what you do for a living, obviously, to talk about uh, things on the wrap. What is your philosophy, though, as a fan, watching trailers and not watching trailers? Well, watching trailers, there's nothing to spoil in the movie because it gives you just the basic details that you would get in a simple log line or synopsis if you were reading a blurb in a paper or a website. So, Raheel, I strongly recommend you watch the trailers that were put out yesterday because you're missing out on quite a treat and quite the rise of the DC brand. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we got Suicide Squad. We got Wonder Woman 84. We got previous concept art of um, 
of the we got the flash okay they showed the um they showed michael keaton with ezra miller's flash's concept art and it's all over social media it's exciting we got the batman we we got th basically what it comes down to we got three distinct batmans coming at us in the next year or two each with their own flavor and, and basically something for everybody but the Basically, DC fandom closed the house, rocked the house, and and closed it with with Ben with excuse me with um Robert Pattinson's birth debut as the Batman, which I was a little I was a little suspect, but there's a scene in there that erased whatever hesitation I had about him being the next Batman for future generations. It's incredible. I had to, and I had to take my headphones off. Is, what's What's amazing is they put this trailer together based on just seven weeks of shooting with still another 11 weeks to go and what they showed was amazing basically like batman in his second year or like 18 months in through a david fincher lens this is a kind of movie that wins awards just some just on the on the presentation of the aesthetic that they gave yesterday so i'm sure you guys got questions yeah, yeah well it had a seven feel to it but i'll, I'll jump yeah. in because i know you didn't watch it on purpose uh, what I liked about it was how gritty it looked, how real it looked. And like you mentioned, David Fitcher there, it, it was like seven with a guy with a mask. Like, you know, Batman was there, but it was like the movie seven. Exactly. Like my favorite moment from that trailer is when he says, when he lays into a guy and says, I'm vengeance. That, that sold it because not only are we getting a detective story, Okay. And it looks like the origins of some of these DC iconic rogues gallery. But we're also getting the brutal bone breaking enforcer that he is. Because remember, Batman's a decathlete who dishes out punishment. And that's the thing that I was most concerned was that does Robert Pattinson look like a guy who could dish out punishment? That trailer erased any doubt. It was a home run for DC, for Warner Media. Every not a, Even my girlfriend was not even a fangirl. said, so, oh, my God, that looks amazing because it looks like a movie like that David Fincher directed. Umberto, there was a lot of uh, doubt going into this because everything was going to be virtual because of the pandemic, but they really pulled this off. I mean, it was trending all day long for DC. How big of a moment was yesterday? Not only did it trend nationally, it trended worldwide because it's a 24 hour event. So basically they created these like virtual hall, the virtual hall of heroes. Sure. We like Comic-Con was a massive disappointment. Just Zoom conversations on YouTube. At least this has some production value. Blair Rich, who's a president of Worldwide Marketing over at Warner's, Jim Lee, and that whole crew put together quite a showstopper. Basically, not only did we get Zoom, but we got these virtual backgrounds of all, like in the Batman panel, you could see his artwork, Jim Lee's artwork, and then uh, in other panels, they would intercut with footage, uh, intercut with the concept art, because a lot of these movies haven't even started production yet. And it was just an amazing show. So basically, it was a worldwide fan experience, strictly made for the fans. It was a smash hit, a home run. Everybody enjoyed it, not only domestically, but around the world. Social media reactions were through the roof. Again, not only national, but top, top five worldwide Twitter trends. It was amazing. Comic-Con didn't even do that. Every, it, this was a must-watch a, a, a must a needed necessary distraction as well from what's going on in the world right now but it, it was I, I was i was floored yesterday words cannot describe i'm still on cloud nine i'm exhausted so that's why i needed a day at the beat <laughs>
Hey, Umberto, I got to ask you too, because Marvel's obviously dominated for so long and DC's had these blips on the radar where you think, all right, maybe they're coming back. And then they have these huge letdowns. How big is this for DC moving forward and maybe just superhero movies in general? Oh my God. I've been waiting for DC to like get their act together, but they seem to have recovered post the previous regime. And they just brought their A game. They brought their marquee characters, their marquee talent, and they delivered for the fans. Basically, DC, Marvel decided to sit out Comic-Con and present their own things. From what I got, they wanted to do their own thing, just like DC. And they weren't really allowed to. But DC came to the stage, showed up, rocked the crowd, rocked the house, and basically made us excited again for these iconic characters like Wonder Woman, new characters like Black Adam. A lot of legacy characters like Hawkman we're going to see for the first time. Cyclone, Dr. Fate, um, Atom Smasher. It's just the, the possibilities are endless. And since they're, they're first out of the gate with the multiverse concept, basically where you can see TV Flash on screen with the movie version of Flash, we're now going to see that cinematically with three different Batmen, you know, from separate universes cinematically. That's never been done before, and that is just incredibly awesome. Man, it's going to be wild. I can't wait. Uh, I know yesterday was exhausting for you. Enjoy the beach. Uh, show us a little view of the beach, man. Show us Malibu. What are you doing? I don't want to see your face All anymore. Right, show, me, me, uh, show me Malibu. Let me see if I could turn. Okay. So here's this is Malibu. Staircase Beach. People everywhere. So surfers out in the, in the – my girlfriend's out there somewhere. But uh, socially distanced day at the beach. First day at the beach in, in, in over a year. Or the first time this year. I like it. I love it. <laughs> hey, brother, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for making a few minutes there at the beach. I had to talk Batman with you. We'll talk to you again, okay, brother? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Raheel, watch those trailers. Trust no, me. No, no. We'll, we'll regroup after the movies come out. I'll watch them afterwards. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Roberto. See ya. All right, good stuff there from Roberto. I love talking to him. He's one of my favorites. Uh, and uh, look, I will say this. I felt bad for you when he started bringing up stuff in the trailer. So smart move to take out I your, take your out. headphones. Uh, but it was, it was a big day for what we do. And people are asking, are we going to talk sports? Of course we're going to talk sports. But like, yes. we, we, this is what our show is, okay? It's like a sports show with a lot of other it's junk in it. I like doing it. It's a life show. It's life. That's is what it? it is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I got a report for you. Uh, by the way, we have Jay Demerit on with us uh, in just a little bit as well. Yep former U.S. men's national team uh, back. And one of the coolest stories, you put me on his documentary, Rise and Shine. So this guy used to play, you know, he played D1 soccer, but after that, he didn't get drafted by anybody. And he just went to Europe with a with a friend, a backpack, and walked his way onto a team. Like, <laughs> the journey is incredible. Ends up scoring uh, one of the most important goals in Wofford history. Was part of the U.S. men's national team when they beat Spain uh, three to one, right? I believe was the final in that yep, one. Three one. And then they end up losing to Brazil, but still, like they did something that no other men's national team had done before. He was part of that group, so we had a great conversation with them. We'll play that. It's very inspiring as well. So uh, we do have some sports coming up. I do want to give you a report, David. On? Week one, week one of my daughter's first week of school. It was it was rough at first, but then it was awesome. Shout out to the teachers. You guys are amazing man i know they're already amazing teachers are great at what they do they mold our youth and they are vastly underpaid okay but 
to go through this with the virtual learning, to have parents that are, you know, freaking out as well and all the emails and everything, and then to still have a smile on your face. I just want to give some love to the teachers once more. My daughter had a great first week of school. Thank you, everyone, for all, all the advice that they gave us, not only on Twitter and Facebook and on episodes, but uh, it was on the ABC 13 app as well. So thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, she loved it, man. Like, she's it, it's just like school for her. She's in kindergarten. I get it. Like, it's different. But she can't stop talking about her classmates. And I can't wait to see X on Monday and all that. So I just wanted to give you a recap of uh, first week of online learning for my daughter. Well, congratulations. I mean, I think it's first off the kindergarten to do it virtually. It's got to be so difficult. So awesome with that. We start tomorrow and I'm already thinking to myself because we're doing we're doing uh, the first nine weeks from home. Mm-hmm. How are we going to afford our broadband bill? Uh, because we're going to have <laughs> Zooms for four children. And I, I, I thought, you know, like in the spring you we did, it was fake school. I mean, it was school, but it was like, yeah. You know, like a zoom here or there and it was like 10 minutes and you know like they did the best they could under the cr- these are like all day zooms and i'm like mm-hmm. okay four let's just say they do one hour or four hours a day let's just say four times four 16 hours of broadband i'm working from home most of the time as well yeah. that's a lot of broadband am i using the right term a lot of yeah, data yeah it's okay. a lot of it's a lot of data but you you have unlimited right like whoever I don't you go know if I have unlimited i think i have the i need to get unlimited now i think i have the plan right below it where they charge you when you go a certain amount above but we've never gone above we've come oh. close we get a little email from you know our, our company that says hey you're at 75 percent of your total so i was gonna call at some point today yeah, uh, i do want to pay off some of the things coming in on the uh, on the uh on the feed on the facebook feed one of them was about Hunter Pence. We covered Hunter Pence when he was here in Houston. He was great to us. Uh, I was actually in the locker room the day he got traded uh, years back. He was just designated from a assi- for assignment from the Giants, um, and and I was asked for my opinion on it. I get it. The guy's not young anymore. Like I still think of the young Hunter Pence that we had here in Houston, thirty-seven years old, batting under a hundred, uh, really struggling. I get it. Like it it, it makes sense to me. Like. Uh, I would like to see him resurrect. He did it last year was with the Rangers, right, where he came back and had a great year. Uh, he still probably has it in him, but right now, like a lot of hitters, you know, until recently, Altuve was struggling. Like it's just unfortunately, it's um, it's a different year. It's hard to kind of really gauge where you are based on all the things happening. Yeah, the fact that he was on a roster this year and lasted this long, even after what happened last year, like like you're on a really bad team. Somebody's going to get stats, and somebody's going to get yeah. playing time. Uh, I, I was surprised he still got another shot and shout out to him, man, for a solid career. And uh, he was one of our favorite players, as you mentioned, when he was here. So uh, much love to him. And uh, I don't know what happens next for him. I don't know who picks him up, but uh, shout out to Hunter Pence. Wait, did you see the whole Lance McCullers McMuffin thing on Twitter the other day? What was that? So It wasn't Joe Kelly's wife, somebody's wife. Who was it? Whose wife was it? I don't even know. It was. Uh, uh, he'll tell us in a second. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw like the wife um, tweeting and quoting and like, oh my gosh, the drama now. Like, can people, we all just move on? People hate. Like, it's like, I don't understand the the, the kind of hate that, the, I, I don't really get it. Especially when like your teammate was a part of a team that did it to you too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like Joe Kelly benefited from it, right? He's not the only one from the, from the Red Sox on that team, right? Like there are several, like. I don't know, man. Like to me, like you can get angry and like maybe personally tell them, like, dude, that wasn't cool, man. You cost my my guy his job, whatever, right? And he, but the vitriol on social media, okay, mm. whatever. 
Yeah, I'm Pat, and it's because they won, right? And because their their attitudes afterwards, right? That was a PR disaster. The way they handled the first part of the spring training oh, apologies, it was oh. horrible. It was there's no defending what happened. It was just a bad PR move. Uh, and even the owner, Jim Crane, has come out and had statements where you just go like, dude, just please, like, do you not understand what's happening? Just stop. And the less look. The less you say, the better it is right now. And yeah. it, it, look, if it was a team that the Astros lost in the World Series to, I think we'd be acting the same way. And everything that happened afterwards, I think a lot of Houston fans would be just as upset and wouldn't let this go either. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, yeah and no, right? Like, I don't, like I, I'm no, still mad at George Coral for doing illegal defense in 1996 against the Rockets, yeah. right? And when they swept them, like to me, that was not allowed, but like, I'm not going to, you know, they, no, you they, move they gotta, on. Yeah. But yeah, like, it's, it's like, can let me give an example? If and this is going to, maybe I shouldn't go down Don't this do route. Right here. What so, route are you going down? Right, I'm going to choose a person. We're going to call him Juan. Okay. Let's say Juan cheated on a test in third grade. Okay. And somehow people tell on him years later, does that mean he didn't finish third grade? No, he finished third grade, but what if Juan cheating on that test kept David out of the fourth grade? How is that possible, though? <laughs> Maybe because, my... because their logic is the Astros cheating was the reason the Dodgers didn't win, even though the Astros won on the road. But That's help me understand logic. there. Didn't the, and I hate that we bring this up every week, but it's like it's still there. Didn't the Dodgers get in trouble that same year for similar stuff, too? I think they were accused of it. They weren't officially uh, and, in trouble. And the, the Red, Red Sox, Sox were officially Yankees, got in trouble. Yankees right? were. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Who was the last place team that year? Let's just say the Baltimore Orioles right now. They weren't they cheating. Can be bad. Okay. They weren't. Yeah. They, <laughs> they should have cheated. Up, right. <laughs> I, and I'm look. Look. I I am embarrassed that the team that won uh, a World Series cheated to help them get there. And did all of a sudden evidence come out that they cheated in the World Series that I don't know about? Nope. So, nope. So, I'm with you. I'm so why are the Dodgers mad? Like, I mean, uh, that's how fans are. No, but they, no, but they, did. they won the game at home when they scored 86 runs. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. If, I don't think it happened. Um, speaking of LA, real quickly before we get to our JD Merritt interview, which I, I, you guys have to listen to, it's super inspirational. Um, Kobe Bryant. Today is Kobe Bryant's uh, birthday, 42nd birthday. Would have been uh, rest in peace to Kobe and yeah. his daughter and everybody on the helicopter. Tomorrow is Kobe Bryant Day, 824, because it signifies his two jerseys. And there's good, there's a bunch of cool stuff being put out by Nike. And it's going to be a big celebration on the NBA broadcast. The Rockets are playing tomorrow as well. Um, your best Kobe Bryant story uh, on his birthday today. The best Kobe Bryant story, honestly, I don't think I give him enough props during his playing days. Um, but I would say my best moment is watching The Muse afterwards. Is that how you say it? The mm -hmm. Muse, um, the Showtime documentary. And just seeing how, I don't want to say similar, because similar is not the, but the qualities he had. And I'm not talking about the kind of teammate he was to Shaq and all that. I'm, 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 I'm going beyond that. I'm talking about how personal he took basketball and how hard he worked. And after losing a series, I think it was the Utah series, he got off the plane and went to the school and shot for three or four hours. That's the kind of stuff that resonated with me. It was like, wow, man, during his time, we all have enemies that we don't like, right? And he was a, an enemy to me. Uh, I was more on Team Shaq. I was obviously a Rockets fan, so I didn't like – they, they were the enemy. 
and really not appreciating his greatness most of his career. Towards the end of his career, we all take, kind of take it. And I have to admit this. Because of Kobe, I try to look at LeBron differently because I look at LeBron very similar to Kobe. Like, we all have our idols, right? Like, to me, Michael, nobody will surpass what Michael Jordan was able to do. Nobody's going to be better than him. Uh, but I think sometimes it's unfair from people from my generation to look at the younger guys that came up after uh, and and not be little, but maybe underrank their value. They're all amazing. Uh, and, and I think Kobe deserved, from a basketball perspective, I'm not getting to the off-the-court stuff, from a basketball perspective and the amount of hustle and heart that he had, uh, I, I just think that's that's what resonated with me. My favorite story is when I first met Daryl Morey, when we first moved here, we had a lunch with him. Yep. Were you at that lunch? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. And I was wearing my Kobe Bryant jersey with the Houston Rockets meeting. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and I told Daryl, I said... You know, and like, you know, of course he gave me some beef, but it, or heat and it was fine. Like whatever. Uh, and then he told us they're doing a media three on three tournament. And I told him in Kobe spirit, I said, we're going to win that by the way. Like why even play it? And we went out there and, and dominated and you played in Kobe's one year as well. Cause I gave you my Kobe's, yeah, uh, uh, you played in those. And, uh, then I had a chance to interview Kobe after a game one time. He called me bro, which was my favorite moment ever in sports. So We used it on the radio often. Yeah, I still have the the remix we made of it. So his his mentality, his work ethic, um, you know, and he rubbed people the wrong way. We can't forget about that. Like yep. he was he, he also threw a lot of fits on the court, but at the end of the day, he always wanted to win. And I don't think we get that in sports as much as we think we do. You know, there's guys that like winning and there's guys that need to win. There's a huge difference. So we got to get to this interview here soon because it's long and I want to yeah. make sure everybody has a chance. But I do want two quick things. Uh, I want to do one more Rockets thing and also tell you a story that you probably have heard before, but our viewers don't know. I used to work for the Dallas Mavericks and the, your story about the Kobe's with Daryl Morey reminded me of a story. Well, Don Nelson was the coach at the time. He used to do like a, a three on three game night at the practice arena for all the staff. Okay. And I grew up in Houston and I had just moved to Dallas. It was fresh, you know, maybe a few months, a year, whatever it was. And I showed up to, I believe back then, Reunion Arena, if I remember correctly, in a Hakeem Olajuwon jersey. And I I wasn't thinking, okay? I w and, and there's a follow-up story to this. I wasn't thinking. I was just like, whatever. Like, I'm wearing a Dream jersey. Dream's the greatest center of all time. I'm going to wear it and people aren't going to be upset. I got looks from Donnie Nelson, the son, who's uh, I think still the general manager of yep. VP. I got looks from Nelly. Uh, and then Danny B, uh, I won't say his last name, Danny B gave me a look. He goes, you do not go to the Pepsi factory with a Coke shirt on, bro. <laughs> and uh, they made a big deal about me wearing uh, a dream jersey. But I'm still very proud of doing that. The other follow-up story, not really related to this, Raheel. You'll remember this. When we worked at 1560, there was a series between the Astros and Cubs Yes. Remind me what happened, but I believe it was like a postponed or something happened with the hurricane where that series was kind of pushed back and we were broadcasting from across the street. In 1560, the game, the station we used mm -hmm. to work at, uh, made these shirts. And on the back of it, I believe it said, you know, 80 years of suck or something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, because the, the Cubs at that point hadn't won a World Series and whatever it was, right? And I had the assignment of going to the Cubs clubhouse and interviewing players. I did not realize when I walked into the Cubs clubhouse that my shirt said that. And I go to the manager, whoever it was, maybe it was Lou Pinella. And then I go to this and 
the PR guy calls the Astros and like they revoked my credential for the rest of that series. I wasn't thinking. I was just, yeah, I was just wearing a shirt, right? You know, yeah, we were doing like, a pregame show. That's why we were yeah. doing a pregame show. We had to wear our station T-shirts, and then yeah. we went right across the street. And you walked in with that eighty years of suck shirt, and yeah. ooh boy, I remember. And I was getting looks, and I didn't yeah. know why. I was like, I was like, "What's up, bro? You got a problem?" Like, you know, like I'm thinking, like, I was you know, I'm like, too cool. "Wow!" And I, I legit, I was like, "Oh my god!" I think David's about to get fired because it was that. And then, of course, our boss uh, at the time, John Granado, was like, "It's okay, whatever. guys. It's, it's whatever. It's yeah. great publicity for us." <laughs> I didn't, make, I, and I, honestly, like, I didn't go in there. Thinking I know you did at all. Yeah, because you you are a professional. I know you didn't go like, oh, let's go try to do this. No, it was not a stunt. It was just a mistake. And and yeah. that's why they gave you your credential back because they knew like, okay, it was David. It wasn't some dude just trying to pull. It wasn't a radio guy trying to pull a stunt so people talk about right. him. Right. We were all wearing it that day, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I do want to get back to the Rockets for a second because a lot of people are – it's one or two plays make such a difference in the way you look at an entire series. Mm-hmm. If um, was it Daniel House who had the two free throws at the end? Yeah. If he hits that, the Rockets are up three games to nothing. We're not complaining. We're not discussing what went wrong. We're just saying the Rockets are better than the, than uh, the Thunder. He misses that. There were some other shots. James missed some. Uh, he was struggling from the free throw line for James Harden standards. Uh, they they obviously he fouled out in overtime. That kind of deflated them. But a one two one player two, you can go all the way back to the Rockets championship want to be run against the Warriors a couple years back where Chris got hurt. One or two plays in that game and they win that, right? Yeah. Uh that's Heck, why they hit, the, four, they hit four three pointers in game seven, they probably win that game. If they don't absolutely. go over twenty seven and a lot of those are wide open threes, they hit four of them maybe, they probably win that game. So that's why they yeah. say each possession in the playoffs matter. Uh I fully expect the Rockets to win this series, but it is a series now. At two one, mm-hmm. it is a series. It'll be interesting if Russ comes back, how that gels, how is James' shoulder going. You know, if you're James Harden and the Rockets, you want to end this series as quick as possible. Unfortunately, you got at least two more and maybe more. Yep, absolutely. If they win the next game, then you're still okay. You're still on track. Like, you know, you can hold Russ out. But if they lose next game is 2-2 with a swing game, you have to bring Russell Westbrook back, in my opinion. You, you um, have and, to. And the way they've covered James – has been phenomenal, right? Dort has been awesome. Dort. Dort, I tweeted this yesterday. Dort has been so good that the Houston Rockets are going to sign him so James doesn't have to go up against him like they did with P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker. And there was another guy that they had a chance to go after, who I, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, when Wesley Matthews w- was with the Blazers, yep. he gave James Harden fits. I believe the Mavericks ended up outdueling the Rockets for that those services, yeah, but I remember that as well. More. Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's uh, get to our Jay Demerit interview. You want to uh, set this Should up? Should I set it up? Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, I forget. set it up. Set All it right, up. So yesterday, I think it was, I don't even know what day it is. We talked to Jay Demerit, <laughs> uh, played for the U.S. men's national team. But I'm going to give you the reason he's on the show. Today is obviously Champions League Sunday, PSG uh, taking on Bayern Munich. But that's not why. He's a huge PSG fan where he nice. is. Um, I, it's covered by your microphone. Don't worry about <laughs> it. People get it. Um, but – his his journey is more the, the reason he's on there. Imagine not being good enough, at least being told you're not good enough at something. Okay. Let's say you're trying what 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 is the B League for? Let's say the Arena Football League was still around and you're not good enough for the Arena League. So you try out for the NFL. That's basically what and I no disrespect to the MLS, but the, the EPL is considered one of the best, the English Premier League. Mm-hmm. And Jada Merritt did not make uh I believe it was Chicago. Am I right about that? The team yep, was trying Chicago. out for. Uh, he didn't make it, 
and he wasn't drafted. So he said, you know what? I'm going to take nothing and move to Europe and backpack and go all around England and everywhere and try out for clubs. And he eventually made a Premier League team, uh, Wofford. And then he played, he started, he won games, and then played on the U.S. men's national team, a guy that was kind of never considered um, on the radar. And then here he was, Bob Bradley's go-to guy when the World Cup came. And uh, just a fun conversation. He has ties to a lot of people from Houston, like Stu Holden, Brian Ching, Ricardo Clark. But his journey um, is, is, I think, is a teachable moment for whatever sport you're into, whatever industry you're into. If we went through it ourselves, Raheel, when we're trying to get into the TV radio world, like you sometimes have to fight uh, for each inch and not take let those you can you can put it up um, <laughs> and not let those, uh, you know, news directors that don't want to hire you and program directors that don't want to hire you. Th that should help motivate your steam, mm -hmm. not the reverse. And that's what Jada Merritt brings. All right, Raheel, I've been talking about it all week. Jay Demera joins us here on the show. Jay, uh, I was familiar with your story, but then watching your documentary really kind of changed the way I saw your journey here, Rise and Shine, the Jay Demera story, a 2011 documentary that I just became aware of. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the show. For those who don't know you, man, like you've played in Europe, but like you didn't make an MLS team here at first and you kind of had to grind your way through. So kind of take us through your journey. Yeah, you know, it, it, some people got to do it the hard way, as I as I like to say, um, you know, but for me, it was I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a big town. I thankfully we had a professional football team that I was uh, obsessed about. So that really community and sport has been built into my van since I was born, you know, and I'm the son of uh, two gym teachers. Both my parents were gym teachers and coaches. So I've been around educators and coaches that are challenging me ever since I was born, too. So. You know, I was kind of built from those foundations, uh, again, growing up in with a cornfield across your street and, and, and kind of blue collar environment it was, you know, built on work ethic, built on, you know, support. And the good thing about growing up in a place like Wisconsin is that, you know, people respect each other there. They treat each other well. Um, and, and, and so I was kind of built from that environment. And then when it came time to take it upon myself, I was 18 years old. I had a, a small walk on scholarship to go down to UIC, which is the Illinois Chicago Division One NCAA college. The only scholarship offer I had was from my hometown. So UW Green Bay was the only scholarship offer I had coming out of high school. Um, I guess opportunity wasn't huge, but at the end of the day, I also had dreams to be other things, not just a soccer player. And I was creative. I liked art. So I, 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 I enrolled in the design program, the industrial design program down at UIC. They had a great art and architecture program down there. So those two pieces kind of fit. And, and there I was and as a 19 year old going down to, to the big city, you know, leaving my small town and taking a chance and, and, and doing all that kind of fun stuff that life really brings you. And I was kind of one of those guys. I like to put myself in uncomfortable situations. I like to challenge myself in bigger environments and see what happens, you know, cause you're going to learn something that's for sure. And I don't know whether that attitude was built or if that's natural, I guess it's probably a little bit of both. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it was, it was just about, I just felt that I just felt like I wanted to get out of my town and go and challenge myself against big players in a big town like Chicago. And, and again, the school that I wanted to go to added, had the, the art program that I wanted to do. So all those pieces really allowed me to get there. But then the whole challenge started because I came in as a, as a forward, you know, three sport athlete. I only played soccer three times, three months a year, three, four months a year at the time. You know, when I was 18, I wasn't a part of a high academy program. I wasn't playing ODP and doing all that stuff. I was playing basketball in the winters, running track in the spring, and playing soccer in the fall. And again, I was an athlete and a competitor. I wasn't a good soccer player at that point. 
but those things kind of served me. My attitude was 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 good enough that when my first preseason tournament, my coach calls me aside. We had a red card and an injury to two to defenders. He pulls me aside. And he's like, "Hey, Jay, I know you don't play forward or you don't play defender, but have you ever thought about playing defender before?" And you go, "I'm 19 or 18," and I'm going, "Not really, coach. I think I just I got here because I got recruited as forward. <laughs> Isn't that why I'm here? You know what I mean, like." So in a way, I kind of had to take a really humble approach to that request. And uh, I decided to say yes, because you should. And I was a freshman. I wanted to play. I didn't know a lot. I just knew that maybe he saw something in me that I didn't see. And I took that chance. And uh, for that preseason tournament, I played three games at the back. We were a marking back system. So I, I just ran around. I was athletic. I was competitive. I won the ball, gave it to somebody else. Sounds pretty simple. But that's kind of what I ended up doing. And by the three games... I realized that for 18 years, I've been playing out of position. (laughs) (laughs) And there I was, there I was a a college defender. And within that first season, I was, uh, I was a first team all conference and I'd never played the position before. I'd come from green Bay. I wasn't a very good soccer player yet, but I had learned just by saying yes and being coachable uh, that I could be something even greater than I ever would have imagined. And, And so that started my college career. I ended up, um, uh, I ended up being an All-American, honorable mention, by senior year. Um, but again, missed out on the draft. Uh, you know, I had scouts telling me I was playing, o, uh, you know, ODP or PDL at the time for Chicago Fire Reserve. So I was kind of at a level, but I didn't go to Stanford. I didn't go to Clemson. And those are the guys getting drafted. And I'm playing against guys in the NCAA tournament and doing well against them who are now current MLS players. So, again, there's whispers and people are like, oh, yeah, maybe you'll get drafted. And so I thought maybe I would, but, you know, the draft came and the draft left. And there I was twiddling my thumbs going okay now what should i do because i got a crossroads i'm either going to be a designer because i just got my degree or i got to weigh up some soccer opportunities because i really feel i've only had three and a half years of experience and i'm already an american all american i need to take it upon myself to believe in my story not the other way around and 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 within that created the mindset and 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 that was what are my opportunities in soccer and I, i had a great opportunity to go move to england and uh and live in my friend's attic and eat beans on toast making 40 bucks a game but for me i looked at the light at the end of the tunnel and where was that light in england if i can make it i gotta do it the hard way anyway i gotta start at the bottom of the ladder that life has just told me that so do i want to walk on to the you know chattanooga (laughs) chattanooga locomotive team or do i want to go to england and get some life experience and and test it against the best in the world i gotta do it the hard way let's go let's see you in england and that's kind of what where I, where I really kind of because either way I had a degree to back it up. I knew I, I had a support system that allowed me to to take chances and to take risks. And I had enough belief and knowledge about myself because I had had 10 jobs and played for a bunch of coaches and knew myself enough that I could be right. And it's so funny. Started it. Real quickly, uh, I'm going to pause you there because when David told me to watch a documentary, uh, he literally said you got to watch this because the story is he goes over to Europe and is living out of his backpack. They're just knocking, cold calling uh, at clubs and telling him, hey, can we just get a tryout? And I'm like, okay, David, there's no way it's like that. But it really was that. Like you, You're like, I'm going to take this chance. And you just went for it and, and went there and just started trying to reach out with, with one little CV resume in your hand. And that was the way to do it. Yeah, and back then it was a laminated piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> there was no LinkedIn kids back then. Nowadays they're going to have to take their screenshots or something. Yeah. Like, Yo, this coach says what's up. <laughs> but, 
but for me, it was, yeah, it was a laminated piece of paper. And, you know, I'm also a big believer in the adventure of life. And uh, I think that anytime we can take chances and create a new story for and a new experience for ourselves, we should. And, 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 and that was an opportunity that was presented to me. Again, I knew that I'd never been to Europe. So why not take our little resume laminated piece of paper and go travel to Belgium and France and Germany and rent bikes and go knock out training doors? Why not? Who cares? What's going to what are they going to say? No. You know what I mean? Everyone already says no anyway. Like, what's the big deal? You know, you know what I mean? Like, let's get some life experience in there. Let's go, you know, cruise around and 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 check out Europe. That's cool. I have a degree in my pocket. I can always go home and be a designer. Let's take some chances here. Let's take some risk. And again, I went with purpose to play. I did. I didn't go there just to be a passenger. I went there with purpose. And I didn't know what that was going to lead to, but I did go there. I was fit. We were training every day. We were waiting for opportunities. And again, my opportunity didn't really come until over a year. You know, I was playing the 12th division. I was making 40 pounds a game. You know, that's $60. That's $60 a week. It's not exactly a, mo- a wage my mother was proud of at the time. Um, you know, and hey, are you a professional soccer player yet? I'm like, no, but there was like four people at the game today. And it was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I was doing. And in a way, it was, it's just like you have to take this perspective of, of monitoring from a further place. You know what I mean? I could sit here and talk to my mom about how sh- is to play in a 12th division in front of three people and I don't have a job yet but at the end of the day I'm looking at I just got to I just was in Belgium France Germany I went to my first like second division English game QPR Tranmere which I saw what English football was and I I saw how passionate the fans were and how those stadiums can create magic and I was like I need to be here I need to do this I need to do what's necessary so that's again I was working out every morning I was staying fit I was ready and now the next thing I needed was opportunity. And as I started to work my way up, again, anyone that understands my story, I started as the sub on a Sunday league team. That's a pub league. You got to bring your own nets. <laughs> like, for real. And I was a sub. So I had to wait there. Sit on the bench. Just be like, yo, all right, I'm ready. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. And I'm ready. And then, but then again, I got my chance. And then I started working. And then by the end of that first season, I had a third division tryout. It was only 87. I, I went, I drove two hours one way with no money to get to the game and they put me in the 87th minute. But perspective says that sucks. But perspective also says you just got a third division trial, dude. You just went from the 12th division to the third division in one year. What happens now? Do you keep going or do you listen to the noise and be like, oh, you had your chance and you didn't make it, man? You know, you know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. that's what happens. That's a way to think about it. Oh, I've been here for a year and I had my chance at pro and I didn't make it. But the story says I got three minutes. No one's going to make it in three minutes. Nobody. Because you got, you, I had no, no opportunity to show it. So my perspective changed very quickly to you just got a third division trial. So that's positive. That's in the right direction. That's progress. Look at that. Don't look at the failure that's in front of you. It's not a failure. It's success. You just jumped seven divisions. That's incredible. Keep going. And so that's what, that's what happened. And uh, I went home uh, to Chicago that off season. I worked, I was a camp counselor. I played men's league and got paid 200 bucks a game and came back. And when I landed on English shores, my ninth division team had gone to uh, uh, a different club. And he was like, we got a friendly against Watford in preseason. You should come do preseason with us. You could play against them and do well. Okay. Sounds awesome. Let's go. And so that's what happened. And I went there and I played against them serendipitously. They didn't have any, money to buy any other players i showed enough and was ready for that appearance and ready for that game that they took a liking 
and they said, what are you doing? I said, I've been here for a year, you know, in the doldrums of, of, of mud and cows, but I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm ready for my opportunity. And that's from then they take you on trial. So it was a two week trial. I got to play in two reserve games with their second team and uh, uh, mainly youth players and their guys that don't play. So I never even really trained with the first team, but it was enough. And, and, and then the, the story famously goes to the coach calling me in his office and he says, hey, the first team's got one last preseason friendly tomorrow. It's against a Spanish team called Real Zaragoza, La Liga one team, just beat Real Madrid in a Copa del Rey final the year before. They're coming to town. It's our last high profile game. It's at the stadium. There'll be 25,000 people there. You should come check it out. I'm like, okay. So I come in, I have my wind up camera as, as the story goes and I walk into the locker room and, and sure enough, he's got me in the starting lineup with no other player I've even trained with, let alone played with all first team guys. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You didn't even tell me. And so I'm like, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, so I go to the bathroom stall famously, like hand in my hands, like, like he didn't tell me like what's going on. Like, how did he not tell me? And I'm already being a victim. And I'm like, very quickly changed my mindset that this is what you've been waiting for. This is why you've been sleeping on floors for a, a year and a half. This is why you've been eating beans because it's all you can afford. You, you know what I mean? This is the opportunity, dude. Wake up. This is why you're here. And so then I very quickly shifted that confidence back to, I deserve this. I deserve to be here. I put in the work. This is the opportunity that's being presented to me because of that effort, because of that risk taking, because of the ability to be ready for this opportunity. They want to put me in if, they, if I hadn't played well in those reserve games. They want to put me in if I hadn't trained well with the, with the reserves. So I started to shift my focus to that. I deserve to be here. I deserve to, he's putting, he's taking a chance on me. Now it's time for you to take a chance on you because this is why you're here. And so within that created the mindset and, and, and I did enough. I, again, I go out there, you, in those big situations my whole life, it's control what you can control, understand your attitude, test reputations, you know, don't live behind a badge. Don't do that stuff. You can get yourself in trouble. So within that, for me, it was just taking opportunities like that and making the most of them. And, and, and that seemed to work as the story goes each step of the way. And, and each new step created a whole new springboard into a new dimension. But when you're ready for that dimension, you're ready to, you're ready to start again. So I want to pause you there because our viewers and our listeners of the show, you can watch Rise and Shine still. So I want them to actually, because the journey gets even more incredible after this. So I don't want to spoil it for them if they don't know the story because the next part of your story is so awesome, right? Um, so let, let's stop on the journey there and, and let's throw some questions at you regarding some of the journey, because the second half of the story is awesome. I want to go back to something real quickly, David. Yeah. Me being a basketball guy. All right. I, I grew up playing basketball. I love soccer as well. We can't overlook the fact that your basketball defense helped your soccer defense and eventually got you to the national team. That's what I'm saying. You know what? It was basketball that got you there, Jake. I, I, I couldn't agree more, <laughs> you know, and again, I, I believe defending is a mentality and that mentality mm -hmm. for me was built through defending in basketball, you know, and when you're a defender, and I don't know what role you play on the basketball court, but you know, my role in the basketball court, I was little, I was five, six, 115 pounds when I was 16 years old, five, six, <laughs> 115 yeah. pounds, this big, but I was fast. I was quick and I could annoy the out of people by playing defense. And so I would take, I would take their score, their shooter, and I just follow them around. I'd run around, I'd be a gnat, I'd be annoying. And I compete, I competed and competed and never gave them an inch. And you go tell me to do that in a box and run a corner kick, it's the same exact thing. It's mm -hmm. the same. 
And so, you know, again, that mentality was built through years of shutting people down on, on, a, on, a, on a, from a layup or a three point shot. And you can do the same thing on the back end of a corner. And, and, and so again, I, I totally hit the ground running as a defender because I had that mentality built into me. And I believe that defending is a skill set. Third, first, it's the willingness to actually have a mentality to compete. Second is actually doing that. And then the third is the skill that comes with it. But the first thing, the first two things is literally mental. I want to stay on that mental part, Jay, because when you got to Europe, when you, especially when you're traveling on England, could you tell a difference in the caliber of players from the U.S. to England in those times? Was it a, a huge adjustment to the speed, the soccer acumen? How, how was that? Um, I mean, technically, there was a little bit of a gap from what I was used to. You know, like what I loved about England is like, like the diagonal ball someone that can just take a touch and hit a 40 yard or straight to where it's supposed to go. Like I hadn't really been built from that. It was, you know, cause in America, especially in college soccer, it was more athletic built. It's physicality, it's athleticism, you know, cause we take technical second before athleticism in America. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's just a different order. And so for me, I, I was built from that order. I was built by athleticism first. So, you know, as I, as I kind of started to, compete at the highest level that's what it was built from it was just this this ability to test people's reputations to um understand my role on the team um you know and what i brought to the table again knowing what you're good at knowing what you're not good at is a huge key to, to creating a mindset and you know again for me it was just about walking into those places with that mindset and knowing i can control what i can control i can control my effort i can control my competitive edge i can i can be a, a nuisance i can i can i can compete and then I can test their reputation depending on what that player is. And if I do my prep, if I do my research and I come in prepared, you know, more times than not, I was on the right side. And, and that started to really start to put me into these next dimensions because it didn't matter if it was a Sunday league sub appearance or a walking out at Old Trafford. For me, the mentality was exactly the same. You know, let's talk about national real quickly, the national team and uh, what you guys accomplish with that group. It's, it's my favorite group of the men's national team and the soccer team where 2009, the Spain upset, right? You beat the number one team um, and then you fast forward to the World Cup and it was such a incredible journey what you did uh, against uh, Great Britain and you fast forward, you get into the knockout stage and it was just so much fun to watch that group. How special was that group and what was it like being part of America's, I, I think it's the greatest group of soccer talent assembled. Well, thankfully, our results have pro proven that. But, mm -hmm. you know, and we always appreciate that because I think that team was probably the best team I've ever played on. You know, again, I've played in a lot of different teams in a lot of different places. And, and, and teamwork is, is, when done right, is so powerful. And that was a team where there was skill at every position. And every person really, really understood what their job was. And we've talked about this a couple of times already, but, you know, I think one of Bob Bradley's real talents was assembling the group. The 25 guys he brought in every week or every, every friendly or every appearance was, was tactical. It was, it was well thought out. You know, Bob was a tactician at the deepest level. Uh, we always used to make fun of him. He had a DVD player taped to his head because he just watched game tape all day long about who were playing, what players are doing this. And, you know, again, that, that served us well is, is because we were, you know, we were a, a group that really liked each other, too. You know, we loved playing next to each other. 
you know, Timmy's in my ear. I got Bocanegra to my left. I got big Gooch here. He's just, just, just a huge physical presence. And I'm running around just being a renegade as I do disrupting and doing what I did. And, and within that, this like, you know, Steve Terundolo, the most steady right back we've ever had in the U.S. national shirt. He's just this calming influence on the right side. Chill, easy. You know, you got your Landons and your Clints who can turn a game like that because of their talent. You got worker bees like Ricardo Clark and Michael Bradley in there doing what's necessary for the team. Guys like that and myself, we're just, we're moldable. We just tell me what to do, coach, and we'll go out there and do it. Whether it's Ricardo, you got to shut down, um, you know, Steven Gerrard in the middle, or Jay, you got Rooney, you got to go wherever he goes for this first game in England. Oh, and by the way, he's the Premier League player of the year this year, so good luck. You know what I mean? And, and like the crazy story goes is I had a, a full corneal transplant six months before the World Cup. So I had somebody else's window in my eye. Oh. And I played with a stitch in my eye for three months just to get fit enough to make the World Cup squad. And I got I, I got my stitch taken out right before the World Cup and my, my cornea collapsed when I got to South Africa. And so I didn't see until the 3 p.m. on the day of the England game. I was blind in my right eye for, for eight days after the Australia game. And I had to wait for the contact to be delivered from my surgeon in London because South Africa did not make contacts that strong. Wow, man. <laughs> so I, had to, I was blind in my right eye until 3 p.m. on the day that I had to play against the best player in the world. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Hey, uh, you mentioned Rico there a second ago. We're uh, big friends with Ricardo Clark and a couple other Houston names I'm going to throw out at you. Brian Ching and Stu Holden. I know Stu was in the documentary. Just some thoughts about those guys. Well, Stu's still to Stu is my roommate. Stu, to this day, is still one of my best friends. He's uh, he's an incredible guy, incredible guy to have in the locker room. Super positive, super happy, very skilled at what he does. Um, again, he, he's a process guy, so he just gets better at whatever he does. You know, now he's calling World Cups, he plays in one, now he calls and, one. You know, that's... and Jay, you got. I mean, you're you might be his best friend, but I think John Legend is his new best friend. I mean, he's that's, he's that's traveling with John Legend and Chrissy hey, Teigen. Trump by John Legend. No problem. No pun intended, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. You were buddies with uh, Chingy, too, and uh, Rico? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and Chingy more more so. But Rico, you know, again, he was just was one of those guys. He's pretty, un, you know, he's quiet. He's, you know, he was pretty unassuming. But when you ask him to, to play a role on the field, he kills it. And that's really what he really personified for that team. And Bob, Bob loved him for that. You know, he loved throwing him in there, being a nuisance, get his big wiry elbows in people's faces and disrupt disrupt the middle and you know Rico really brought that to our group and again going back to the whole conversation of the team you know everyone knew their jobs everyone knew what they brought to that team Bob did a good job of explaining that making us know that um, and, and ultimately we just again loved playing with each other and, and that reflected in our performances that reflected especially in that paint space that whole confederations cup was kind of my coming out party I hadn't had really any appearances for the national team I'd been in the setup for two years but I had two appearances I think in a gold cup. And, and, and so that was kind of my first games in the U S national team as a starter were Italy, Brazil, and Egypt. And I, again, I had to come out and perform and do well. And, and then Bocanera because I got those games was injured. And then he came back and I'll always respect Bob Bradley for my life because it was really, it would have been really easy to put Bocanegra back in at left center back, but he didn't, he, he, he moved in the left back and kept me in. And I was shocked because I wasn't the name. I wasn't somebody that was known or, or, you know, but Bob just pulled me aside and he said, I just really like the way you're working with Gooch. I think we solidify on the left now, moving Boca to the left and you just keep doing what you're doing. And we made the final, we beat Spain. And that was really this whole kind of, who's this dude? <laughs> you, you know you know what I mean? And, and again, again, I love that. I love that role. I think that role not only just pumps me up, but it, it just, uh, it, it's something that was kind of born to play. 
Jay, what are you up to now? Uh, what are you currently doing? Uh, main, my main project is, is taking the Rise and Shine story and really turning it into an ecosystem of uh, uh, um, of of a couple different things. One is we run a, I run a fundraiser music festival that is that pays for half the kids in my program to come to to, to camp in the summer. So I run a program called Captain's Camps built on the Rise and Shine movie. So we teach the lessons within the film uh, as, a, as a youth program geared towards uh, geared towards teenagers, 12 plus. So we do mixed ages from 12 to 14 and 15 to 18. And I surround them with mentors of all walks of life. So it's kind of like masterclass where you, the best, the best of the best come up to the, uh, I'll show you guys right now. I live like in the mountains. Like, so I'm right in the valley of these mountains. See those big tents at the back? Wow. So we have yeah. big tent of those. So we sleep 25 at this property. And, and I, this is my little cabin, like 340 square feet of good fun. And uh, on, on 18 acres of land up here in, 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 uh, in just north of Whistler in British Columbia, because I, I retired from the Whitecaps. So I've, I've stayed up here in Canada and I run this program. It's mainly a summer program, but now we've uh, I'm turning it digital and I partnered with EA uh, Games, you know, the, the, the video game company. We partnered with them nine months ago, pre-COVID. We were already building this and basically I'm digitizing my physical Rise and Shine program. And so it's mentorship lessons online, rewards that you'll win, game packs that you'll receive by, by learning about people's stories and interacting with their story. So if it's an artist, we'll do a little art lesson and you can do that now on your phone. So if it's a dancer, we'll do a dance lesson like TikTok and you got to copy it and then you get points and then you get like rewards from said dancer or you get, uh, you know, tickets to a show or, you know, you earn rewards by learning about people and, 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 uh, and also just by creating educational challenges, like make a smoothie. Here's the food that's getting delivered to your door. You just earned it. You make a smoothie. Tell us that you did it. Now you just got better at life. Now you just got free smoothie points for the next week and you got entered into, um, you know, a Houston game for next week. And you might just get an email to say you got two tickets to bring your dad because you earned it. You know what I mean? Like, so that's basically yeah. what we're doing. I'm building that right now. That's taking up most of my time, but look out for that in the fall and, and, and moving into next year as the beta app. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's digitizing kind of mentor lessons and, and challenges and, and, and cool things all built on education and, and celebrity based on influencers because that's how kids learn now. If you have a blue check mark, they'll listen. It's true. It's true. Hey, uh, Jay, I, I want to ask you one last soccer thing before Raheel gives you his uh, five questions. He's got these five questions that we ask everybody. All right, so you played against Wayne, obviously. Is Wayne or who was the, the best player that you played against when you saw them play? You're like, man, that's on a different level. Uh, a couple. Uh, first one was Steven Gerrard. It was my first season. We, we played uh, a two-leg Carling Cup semifinal against Liverpool my first season. So there I am, rookie year. And I watched Steven Gerrard, you know, he's center back or, you know, goes back by the center back, you know, a center midfielder, but he goes, you know, he just goes get the ball. Like that's what he keeps doing. He just goes and gets it. And so I'm, I don't know what I'm doing yet. You know what I mean? I'm just running around and, 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 and I'm trying to follow the play and, and, you know, do my thing. And, and I got this, um, um, Morientes, Fernando Morientes, he was like an, uh, an Argentinian international peeling off my back shoulder. And I watch him take, take a ball from his center back and back by the left back position, take a touch. And he hits this ball. It's about three feet off the ground and it stays three feet off the ground as he runs into Louis, um, Louis Figo's, um, uh, in step 45 yards down on the other end who crosses straight into straight into Morientes. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've never seen that before. Like that's world-class. That's world-class. And I'd never known what world-class was. I'd heard it. Oh, he's world-class. Oh, that's a world-class finish. 
I know it. I hear what that is, but I didn't know it. I didn't know what it was until I saw that. And I'm like, wow, that's a whole new level. So that's, that was my first introduction through Steven Gerrard's world-classness. But I think the forward I found the most difficult was Didier Drogba. He was yeah. a Chelsea player for many years, player of the year, Chelsea uh, at, in the Premier League for a couple of years. He had a hat trick against us in the FA Cup. He scored against us in the Premier League. Like he just, he's one of those guys, he's like 6'2", 195 pounds. So, I, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I'm like just under 6'1", 185 pounds. So I can't beat him in the air. I can't beat him on the ground. I, I can't give him, get too tight to him because he hits it from 25. I can't get too loose from, or sorry, loose from him because he hits it from 25. I can't get too tight from him because he's faster than I am. So he's just one of those guys. I can't, I can't manipulate him at all. I can't, all I can do is compete and hope for the best. But like Wayne Rooney, I can manipulate him. I'm bigger than him. I'm stronger than him. I can, I can manipulate. I can beat him in the air. I can, I, I can, I can do all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of, that's who I love to play against. But the Drogba's, that's who I'd pass to Gooch. <laughs> Man. All right, let's do our same five questions. Jay, are you ready? We ask these same five questions to every guest. All right. Ready. All right. Number one. What is one song you wish everybody would listen to at least once in their life? Rocket Man, Elton John. Did you watch the movie yet? I do. Well, and I and I know him. I'm on his Christmas card list. What? Wait, hold on. Tell us this story. Well, Elton John has owned Watford twice, and he's their life president. And I played 200 games for them and captain their club as an American. So yeah. he, uh, he 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 shouts me out on stage at the shows I go to, like for real. This is Brian. He's been on the guitar for 35 years. And to the lovely Jaden Merritt, who's in the audience tonight, one of my favorite Watford players of all time. Great to see you. Wow. You're like, what the hell? Like, Jay, like, what? How was that not in the documentary? <laughs> it was past since the documentary. So this is like yeah. Vancouver now. Like I took his kids and played soccer with them in the park when he was here. And like, yeah, like this, that's one of the crazy things. Like, what do you know about Jaden Merritt? Like, that, that's one of the things. Is like, I hang out with him. Like, he's my buddy. So what you're saying is once concerts return and Elton is performing in Houston, we can hit you up for tickets. That's what I heard. <laughs> I wish. It's funny because he doesn't even get tickets. I, I, he doesn't even – he'll only give them to me and one other guy. That's it. Man. Okay, number two, what's one thing you always have to have in your fridge? Ranch. What kind? Is there a particular uh, brand? I'm not partial. I like all ranch, but normally it's the rancher's choice. Okay, I like it. Number three, what is one place you want to visit that you haven't yet? Egypt. I want to see like pyramids and stuff, and like I want to go. I want to go do that kind of desert stuff. Man, that'd be awesome to see. Go check stuff out. All right, number four, who's one person you want to have coffee with that's alive? Um. Probably Elon Musk or Tim Cook from Apple. Probably one of those two guys. Nice. Good ones. Because he was, you know, he's probably the most famous product designer of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Elon would be interesting because he'll probably like redesign the coffee cup you're holding. And you wouldn't even get a well, chance to drink your coffee cup. Yeah, he'll just touch it and it'll just change shape. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one before we let you go. What's one app you want to delete from your phone but you just can't? Um, let's see. Let's just say in the future, it's going to be the Rise and Shine app because I just can't stop learning. There you go. <laughs> there you I go. like that. I see what you did there. Yeah. Hey, what, 
when that does come on, when it goes live, the beta version, come join us again on the show, please. I will. I will definitely do that. And I'll, I'll send you guys that beta link too so your kids can use it and see what, see what they like about it. That'd be great. Jay, man, it was uh, great to get to know you on this level. Loved your story, loved your movie, and uh, loved the conversation with you, man. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for all.